And I'm Karen Wright. It is 935. Joining me now is my great friend, Barbara Lampson, the Master Gardener. Barbara, we had this great rain, and I read that the drought is letting up, and we're in a little abnormally dry segment, but that's really good news for us going into the fall. Absolutely. I'm so happy that the rain we did get came at the right time. I was talking to a farmer who said that his corn yields are just record numbers. Well, and I talked to a farmer this morning who pledged it. He said his soybean was amazing, too. So just the, the rains apparently fell at the right time. And then the nice thing was going into fall, it wasn't so wet that they didn't have to dry so much in some right. of the corn and things. That's so important. This this person said that the uh, spring planting was absolutely ideal for farmers because it was warm very, very early, and the soil was dry so that they could get in there and work it up. He said the soil was just absolutely beautiful this year. Things germinated and just grew. Yeah, even despite the drought. I mean, there were some things that didn't do so <coughs> hot. I know some of my garden things, but all in all, I guess it could have been worse. You know, one of my favorite gardeners, uh, growers, planters that I really have never met, but I admire him from a distance, is Hay by George. Oh, yeah. This a farmer that brings all of his produce on these hay racks, and it's um, he parks them at strategic places. Along major roads. Yes, and it's an honor system. You simply go and pick out your pumpkins or your gourds or or even a straw. We needed a bale of straw, and my husband went out there and bought a bale. And this year, the acorn squash, we had one on um, Wednesday night. The best acorn squash I've ever eaten in my entire life. Was it one of those bigger ones like the Table Queen or the smaller Honey yeah, Bears? Yeah, it's, it's one of the bigger ones. Okay. It's, it's, I would say it's middle size okay. but for that. But here's the thing. When you open it up, there's at least an inch of a half of pulp in there mm-hmm. going all the way around. And when it was baked and I took it out of its shell, I always like to bake it, take out the seeds, bake it in the shell. It keeps it from drying out. And it filled a great big bowl. Wow. I have enough for several meals. I mean, what a great thing and what a lot of work goes into that. Well, you know, that's the thing we, you know, talk about the the price of food and really we don't compared to how much work and and labor goes into that sort of thing we are really get a good deal on food in the united states we do and you know the thing about uh what he raises is pumpkins and gourds and things like that that has to be harvested by hand right you just have to go in the field and that's just backbreaking work so um you know he's still those things are still out there they haven't frozen they're looking good they're tasting great right get them before it does freeze because once (coughs) they freeze they're not any good yep that's well we don't think they are i don't know maybe if you got them if you could um somehow preserve them you know maybe then then they would be i just don't know i yeah i'm not sure about that either because i if you've ever had frozen vegetables they get kind of mushy then. Yeah, right. I suppose so. Hey, I just wanted to to mention a letter to the editor this morning okay. from uh, Paulette Bertrand. And she reminded us that this time of the year, tons of chocolate gets to the markets and we buy this without realizing that the people, the farmers, and the children that work in these cocoa fields harvesting cocoa beans are paid little to nothing, often slave labor is what it amounts to. And so she says, if you want to find out if the chocolate 
chocolate bar that you're eating, if they came uh, from uh, an ethical uh, producer of cocoa, you can, first of all, you can look for the certification. The label will have a certification on it. Is this the free trade one that you're talking about now? This is free trade, that's right. And um, you can find uh, um, uh, them on the uh, web, free trade certified, fair for life, and reinforced no, Rainforest Alliance certified cocoa, all of these things. And she said, you know, um, make an ethical choice this Halloween. Absolutely. And I, I always have this thing with my husband. Um, I don't want to give candy. I want to give something out that isn't like... You know, avoid Barb's house if you're a kid that wants candy. Right, exactly. <laughs> so this is kind of just a little ammunition for me to say, you know, we don't need all those bags of leftover Snickers or Mars bars. Uh, it would be better to have leftover maybe raisin boxes of raisins. That's one of my favorite ones. Pencils <laughs> is another one. There's been memes on the internet about people who give out boxes of raisins. You know, kids are like, no, no, no raisins. But, you know, I get that. And I've had gone to places where they give out packets of cocoa, which I think is a really nice thing, too. Yes, and yes. that's just something a just little different. Just anything, if you do a little bit of, of shopping in the store. I thought about granola bars, but you know what? I looked at the packaging. I don't know if parents would be safe because you take it out of the main cardboard box and then you've got the cellophane wrapper. And is that, you know, can you be sure that that's really safe, that it hasn't been tampered with? Well, if it's in the box, I would think. Yeah, but you're not giving them a whole box of them. You know, they come... Well, I would think so. I don't know. I don't know. I I just thought, okay. And, and you know, maybe if you're giving out to, just to think of the... There's actually this thing where if uh, people put out like a teal-colored pumpkin, it means they have gluten-free treats because there are those kids with those special issues. So maybe you'd say yes. do the teal pumpkin thing and yes i have to go to the store today and take a look around but it's no chocolate it's absolutely no chocolate okay and then i'm going to do my research and i'm just going to find out uh, some of these common candies that we have and we buy you know just monstrous amounts of i'm going to find out how um, how close they are to fair trade prices. You well, know? That's a good point, you know, because our church recently participated in the fair trade sale where they have things that are made via fair trade and, and sell them. And we've done the, the, the church, the fair trade cocoa uh, chocolate and coffee. sales yeah. and coffee, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, it might be a little more, but I think given what you know about the, the, the things that go behind the fair trade versus not fair trade, I think it's worth that little extra bit. You know, the thing, and this is probably, we need to get off this subject, but here's the thing. When you hire children, and children are forced to work to help their families, you're denying them the education and the experiences they need to, be, to do to become reach their full potential in life. Well, you know, growing up on the farm, though, we were <laughs> we were the labor, but, you know, I think that helped us grow up to full potential, but that's a different situation when it's your family. Yes, because you're not working for somebody else, right. and you're out there in all conditions. So, well, you know, talking about labor, uh, what I do in is a labor of love, and uh, and that is so much fun. But recently, I was uh, 
I guess it was um, earlier one day this week when it was cold and nasty, and I decided I should maybe clean up my greenhouse. And that gets to the point, you know, as you move things back out of the greenhouse and into the house, you can see this... um, the tables, the work tables I have in there, everything is is nasty. And there, just I've, because of dust and dirt and things, you, you mean you just bugs you, and well, you just let things go. You throw it on the floor. You just let it go. Because it's true. Why do we do that? Because I always say every the start of every year, I get everything organized, and I say I'm not going to let it go this way, and then, and then I do. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of human nature because our time we think is so valuable. We have to get on to the next task. <laughs> true, or beat the rain or something. Yeah. And I found a bag of alliums are flowering onions and I remember digging them uh, after they got done blooming and uh, I left them in till oh early summer and then dug them out put them away and I thought oh my gosh you know what can I do now but I looked up and any time in October September October is a good time to um, to plant them to get them out and plant them there's such a great um, flower because they sort of come some people think of them as a spring plant they really aren't after the spring bulbs are done they provide that extra color kind of in between the summer and the spring I'd say that's exactly right and you're waiting for the summer flowers to come up and start blooming and the iris things like that and here you have these beautiful and they make if you have a few of them together, they make a, a regular bouquet. It's like a giant globe on top of a stem. It, I mean, it is. Just, and I ordered one that they're pretty spendy if you get the big bulbs, Barb. And But they make such giant statements because you can get some there that are big as a dinner plate almost. Right. And and that variety, I think, is called Giganticum. And, uh, and th- undoubtedly, they are very, very beautiful. Um, I have one that's called Purple Sensation. I like that. I think it's 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 sort of uh, medium sized, but it makes a big statement. There's also different colors. So there's the purple, purple. There is the lavender. There is white. Now we have white alliums, and there's different sizes. There's some yellows too in the little ones. Oh yes, but yeah. I found some of those little ones will self-seed and become a nuisance too though so you got to be careful about that do you know what else is great about the flowering onion the deer don't like it right the the rodents don't like it uh the voles don't eat them and in my yard at least uh the squirrels don't dig them up so there is a there is a good reason uh to plant them as well as pollinators like them and so do the hummingbirds so there you've got something that just fits right in they're not fussy they like to be in well-drained soil so So the bulbs don't rot right that's right and they will multiply and even if you spend quite a bit for one bulb it won't be long before they'll start multiplying and you'll have many more which brings me to the next thing i wanted to talk about um are the amaryllis you know i'm so stuck you are an amaryllis crazy lady because you have so many i do and and it isn't that i bought them it's just that they multiply and this year i took out 38 amaryllis bulbs what yes 38 and and you know this probably started with maybe five or six bulbs originally like how long ago did you start gathering these oh gosh 
You know, the first year or two that I got them, maybe it was 10 years ago. Okay. But, I mean, it was just like, oh, how do you keep this thing living? How do you bring it back? And I was just interested in in that one. And then I got another one because it was a different color. And then I got one as a gift. And I thought, well, that's good. I have one that's called Apple Blossom. Oh, I've seen those. They're beautiful. Yes, that's white with the pink. That is is so unusual. And here recently, I got one which is a double red, which is, these doubles are just really nice. They have one drawback. they, they get a bit heavy for their stem. And they flop sometimes. Yeah, and so the alliums for this single, you know, our regular ones, um, alliums, are, are amaryllis. Amaryllis, yeah. The single ones, they, they do just fine. But when you put all this uh, petals on top, uh, they start flopping. So you have to put a stake in. Now is the time of year when a lot of stores will have them. You'll see a box and it'll say amaryllis and then it's got this pot in there. But very few of those decorative pots have holes in them. Right. And without those holes for drainage, if you overwater them, you're going to rot that bulb. And so that I always, if I get one like that because maybe it's super cheap or something, I would put it in a pot with a little drainage hole in it. Sure. The other ones you'll see are, are more of a throwaway kind they they dip them in wax and you can grow them but i mean that thing is encased in wax and it's just going to be one time thing and pretty much right. one and done because it's got all the stuff stored in there so it'll grow right but then poof force it to, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. so i mean but some people maybe that's all they want yeah well exactly it, you know here again the uh, when you figure what's involved in growing these things um somebody is working very, very cheaply. And it doesn't matter whether it's in this country or a third world country, we still have our farm labor workers that are very much underpaid. We just don't appreciate workers. We right. just don't. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that that is so unfair. Well, now you you keep keep your amaryllis and you put them outside mm-hmm. and then you have to give them a rest before you... Re- yeah. yeah. So when do you rest and when do you bring them out again, Barb? Yeah. So, so now they're all... Um, when it started the 1st of September, I took them and put them into the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And the ones that were in pots, you just stop watering those. The ones that I had to dig, I left them in the soil, soil yet. And they came in about October 1st. And then I clipped the tops. I trimmed some of the roots. And um, and now they're going into cold storage in my basement. And I will wait how long will they have to, to be, I guess, effective to grow again? Everyone is different. Oh. So here's the thing. It's like they know when they should send okay. up this spike. And when this little, this rounded green tip starts coming through the soil, I check them, you know, every two weeks. I bring them up. If they're not in a pot, I put them in a pot. If they're in a pot, I just start watering them. Okay. Either way... Um, I get them into a warm place, water them, and watch them, and that spike comes right up. Sometimes the smaller ones, because when you get 38, you know that there were, they don't start out full size. They start out very small. And they didn't have the ability to store up enough uh, food to put up a spike. And and so those I'll have to wait maybe a year or two before I get any flower on them. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a fun plant. 
and it's a great gift. I know a lot of people will give is. them, especially I see a lot of catalogs and things now selling them or in stores for gifts. And, you know, if you have somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing, like Barb is, you'll probably have one and done. But right. if you're like Barb, you might end up with 30, 40 yeah. bulbs or plants. They just keep growing. <laughs> yeah, they, right. They absolutely do just keep growing. So it's it's a it's a very, very fun thing and uh, very easy to grow. And uh, as far as I know, I mean, nothing ever digs up that bulb. And, and in the winter, it's a great thing to have some color, and that's nice that you can do that. Hey, yes. And you know what? When you do your um, container, your dish gardens and that, you can pop them in with the, with your annuals. They'll look really great. Oh, they'll, good idea. They'll bloom during the summer at some time. You'll have a spike in there. You have that foliage. The foliage is absolutely gorgeous. And there you've got that bloom. Speaking of gorgeous foliage, my Calibia now, the foliage on that is so stunning. I, I actually wiped the leaves down because, you you know, they get so dusty and dirty. Yes, yes. And it is just like a shining, bright, just this bright thing in the basement that I, I mean, I keep it by the, the <coughs> patio door in that. And I don't know when it's going to bloom again, but uh, that just the foliage on some of these plants are just so amazing. It is. It is. And the clivia, you know, that is, a, it, that's a very tropical mm-hmm. plant. And that plant has to get root bound before it will bloom and we have a tendency when we go poking around in the soil to think oh man i got to put this into a bigger pot better leave it there and then you'll get your spikes so that's the one i'm yeah i have a question with now because mine has gotten now like three plants in the one pot mm-hmm. now so it's expanded because i did repot it once and then after i repotted it it didn't bloom for a long time again so now it's very root bound again how do i know then when i should repot it because it's good to be root bound but what do you when do you well, know that? if if you get your flowers on this, if you've got three sections, three yep. different sections to that, and it's very easy to tell that these are the new ones, then after that, you can take out um, those two additional ones, put them in other pots or give them to other people. I've done that. It doesn't take long, especially when you can get them outside and put them in the shade. They do not want to be in the full sun. Mm-hmm. They want to be in more of a Indirect, shaded area. Yeah. yeah, yep, that's right. That I have never warm. taken mine out. It's always still been in the basement, but it's been by the patio window, which is sure. kind of indirect, a little off to the side and stuff. But it's just fantastic. I'm just so pleased with how, how that looks. Because normally in my house plants look terrible, and this one's actually looking good, Barb. So. Well, that's good. So I'd keep doing what I'm doing then. Okay. Yep, exactly. And, and after it blooms, uh, you know, if you have time, uh, look around for a good pot, some good potting soil, some good drainage, and, and, and then transplant it. And in no time at all, they'll be big and they'll be giving you blooms. But is fall the best time to transplant things? I always thought it was spring was better because they're starting to grow again. So yeah. What well, are your feelings about that? There, well, there's, um, if you're going to do a transplanting, um, you know, you need to do it when you've got time so oh. you can watch over it and so you can care for it and and see how it's doing in that new pot too. So if you wait too late in the spring, you know what it's like. I mean, it's just oh, a it's too busy. And but you don't want to fertilize at this time. No, no. Only when it's actively growing. Yes, exactly. We have been very lucky to have had so much sunshine late all of October. It's just been absolutely beautiful. And I know I told you this before, but I I bought this coleus that was on sale. It was just a small plant. And I thought it was rather 
ugly because <laughs> it didn't have a lot of different colors in the leaves. And I brought it home. I repotted it. It's been in the greenhouse. Now it's beautiful. Because it's more mature, so it's really showing off a little? It, it has um, the color, which is like a yellow that needed to come through on these marine-colored leaves before it was so anemic-looking. Now it's bursting. It's, it's, it's showing its full dress now. It's now, this beautiful. is a coleus, so now are you going to keep that, or are you going to take some small cuttings and then start some smaller ones inside? Do you know, I have to tell you, for all the things that I have taken cuttings from, coleus has been my, been my biggest failure. Okay. I don't know why that is. Give them to Norla Hess. She's really good at them. Yeah, I know <laughs> she is, but I, so I'm going to settle for just, um, just raising this okay. as, a, as, and then maybe when summer comes right and get them outside, maybe, you know, most things um, develop roots when they've got lots of humidity. And maybe my house is too dry in the winter, even though I'm adding extra humidity, I'm still not doing it enough. Yeah, I find that the house gets very dry. That's why I think my, my house plants just never do t- that well. Yeah, exactly. The I kind of group a bunch of plants um, that are more tropical by my bay window, and I put the, um, I have a vaporizer that I put there. Is it the cool air vaporizer yeah, one? Yeah, it is. And, and then I have a gauge, and I raise the the uh, humidity there for them. I know you've even said before you can take like a, a <clears throat> little saucer or something and put rocks and then maybe mm-hmm. just put some water in and they can absorb some of that as yeah. the humidity well, as well. Well, that's, you know, that's that's a solution too. Um, but, you know, it really dissipates in a big room. It dissipates sure. pretty fast. So if you had um, some like a terrarium would be or if you had an aquarium, you put them in there so that you have a smaller space for them. And then you have the rocks in there with the water. They would do much better. That's a great idea. I've got this 55-gallon fish tank that I don't use anymore yes. because you have bucket my old fish. Yes. Maybe I could just you know use that as to, to, to you should clump Absol- some of them together. I might try that and see how yeah. that works and see, let you know. Absolutely. And by the way, bucket says hello. They're in the house now. Oh, you brought them in. Yes. yes. I was going to say you need to do that or they'll freeze in your little pond because it's yeah. too small. No, and they're in, and Bucket, I tell you, he is such a hungry bugger. When I come and I say, here, Bucket, 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 up to the top he comes, and I sprinkle his food down in there, and he just, he gulps it. He's like a whale, you know, uh, opening up his mouth and sucking everything down. Then after he's got it almost, he's consumed almost all of it, he goes to the bottom and he chews. So well, then, you know, you, you, you slow down feeding them in the winter because they don't need nearly as much food. Yes, yes. But the only thing is we have um, a couple of smaller ones. We have Bucket Jr., which we got right away when we got Bucket as a small fish. And he is he's pretty good size. So he I have to wait for him to come up, and then he gets fed. And now we have three juniors that we added this summer and it's like things just live forever in our household whether it's plants or fish or boy and we have squirrels and you know so you are like the the animal menagerie is what you've got going there it it it, and it looks almost like a jungle in our living room with all those plants that i brought in i have to keep watching now because even though i've washed them off you know sprayed them off um i I have to watch for things like 
fungus gnats. Or scale, things scale. like that. Scale. Yep. Oh, that's a nasty yeah, one. Yeah, I've uh, got that. Yeah, yeah. You just have to keep after that. Soap and water can do amazing things for scale. It gets rid of it. And uh, neem oil helps as well. I've used neem oil as well. Yes, yes, it does. But, you know, the... Um, the uh, scale makes a sticky substance. Oh, it's I like a yeah, it's like a little. Uh, <coughs> I don't know what it is like. A, it's kind of a sap, almost. Yeah, sticky because sap. they they make a hole into the leaf, you know, yeah, and they that's how suck it out. Right, right, and so you want to get that leaf cl- cleaned off. Well, that's know. why I was cleaning all my leaves, and I did. I brought. I don't know if you saw in the window my philodendron, the cut leaf philodendron back in, yes. and that had the scale. So I'm watching it very closely, and it did have some more. So I'm cleaning those off as I see them. But it was outside, and it looks better, but. That's still probably in there. Sure. Hey, sure. Barb, do you know what I did this week? Uh, planted some more lilies. Well, I did plant some more lilies, but I also dug up my dahlias because uh, sure. they froze. So they got, the leaves got all black. So I dug up, a. I had three giant clumps of that that I did here in town. And then I've got out at the lake house. And this weekend, I'm going to be digging up my elephant ear tubers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be digging up my uh some more canna canna lilies sure. and then I've uh, I don't think I have any dahlias out there so that what I'll do then is it's time now I'll get all the dirt off them and I'm going to store them in some peat mixed with uh, you know uh, newspaper mm-hmm. and put them in the cool dry place it, it's place. time for that yeah. now and you know <clears throat> when you dig something rather than putting it together in a box or something with anything set it out on the floor oh, or to table. dry out for a few yeah, days yeah. yeah let it dry off yep. totally right yeah so, my mine are in the garage right now my dahlia bulbs i have them in pails and they're sure they're drying off before i put them in sure um talking about drying off things you know we always raise a lot of onions and we raise yes. them from the little sets 200 this past oh, year and <clears throat> they were dug early um i think they were done Maybe the first part of August, um, growing and the the tops bend over, then you know it's time to mm-hmm. dig them out. You don't want to leave them in the soil, because then they'll start rotting. And now they've been spread out in trays in the greenhouse, and now they are. We have onion sacks, and we put them in there, and they develop this most wonderful um, skin on the outside that when you dig them, they don't have that. <clears throat> and they'll last um, easily January, February, somewhere's in there. I've got a couple giant bags of yellow onions that I have and put them in some old netting that I had of, from That'll other... Work. That'll yep, work. Yep, so yep. that's what I've got. I, we are out of time, unfortunately, but Barb, it's always great to chat with you. I don't know what you're going to be doing I'll probably, this week, and I'll be digging up the rest of my uh, tender bulbs and yep. storing them for winter. And I just want to say thanks to all of our listeners oh, yes. who donated to the campaign here. Um, it's so important to have public radio. We're glad you're part of that. Yeah, and thank you, Barb, for helping us all the time for the many, many years. Have you been here 35-plus years, right? We yes. figured that? Yes, Because I'll bet we figured at least 35, and <clears throat> I know you've been here at least that long. So Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, we appreciate you very thank much. You. Thanks. All right, it is 10.01. You're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at kmsu.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. Big ideas and real world thinking.